Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramus, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. And we are taking a little break from the Dutch Sheets series to discuss CIC issue number 76, Carried by the Comforter, How God Leads Us. You can find that at the website cicministry.org. Now, in the first episode, we talked about who are the sons of God. Last week, we talked about what does it mean to be led by the Spirit. And today, we are going to answer the third question raised in this article, where are the sons of God being led? Now, before we answer that, do you just want to give us a quick review of what we've covered in the last two? Yes. The first one, we showed by the very terminology Paul uses that those who aren't the subject of this, the the people he's talking about, that are hostile to God. And so we must be Christians. Okay. Right? We must be believers. We're trusting in him. God's children aren't hostile to him. Right. So walking in the spirit is true of all people who are truly Christian. Okay. And we saw that reinforced when we saw the terminology adopted. Oh, right. We're adopted into the family of God. And then the second one, the led means to be brought or carried. It doesn't mean to be getting impressions that you can't quite make out and you're trying to follow them. All right. So it's not a metaphysical impression from the world of the spirits that must somehow be the voice of God. That's not what it's talking about. That's right. It's God sovereignly leading us where we need to go. I know. Read the book of Hebrews. God has spoken. Yes. He's spoken the fathers and the prophets in many ways in these last days has spoken to us in his son was the heir of all things. So the grand promises that God has spoken in full and final revelation are far more powerful than these uh, confused people who think they're getting special revelations beyond scripture. All right. So listeners, if you are following along on the PDF, we're on page three and you introduce this section by saying this. We have already hinted at the answer to the question about our destination. All true believers are being carried by the Holy Spirit to glorification. Now, where do we find that in Scripture? Let me explain how we can know this just by studying Romans 8 and reading all of it and reading it in context, okay? Okay. I'm not trying to make this more complicated, trying to make it clear. Yes. And some might say, well, you're an elitist because you study the Greek. Well, the English Bible makes it clear enough. Right. But our minds go astray because we've heard all these teachings. And we take one verse out of context and miss the rest of it. So let me read a section of it to make it clear where he's taking us. Okay. The Holy Spirit's carrying us. And I'm going to read Romans 8, 29 and 30. For whom he foreknew, 
he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And whom he predestined, these he called, and whom he called, these he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. Romans 8, 29 and 30. Now we already saw that those who are walking the Spirit, those who are led by the Spirit, are the adopted sons of God. And these, according to this text, that stating it as certain, even though it's not a completed fact until the future, are, are being glorified ultimately. Okay. And glorified is not something you get when you go to a certain meeting. Right. Okay. There's no, people want to have glory meetings and hope to somehow have a theophany. No, this is what happens uh, later when God conforms us to the image of Christ at the resurrection. So all true Christians are being led. They're being carried by the Spirit, brought along, and where we're going is to glorification. Yes. And I always like to look at the tenses here in Romans 8, 29 and 30. There's no question whom he predestined, past tense, he called, and whom he called, he justified, and whom he justified, he also glorified. We haven't seen it happen yet, but it's also absolutely certain. There's no contingency in those verses. Right. It's stated as a past because of the certainty of it. Right. As certain as you are redeemed, converted, born of God, and adopted son or daughter of the Lord, part of his family, part of the family of God, it's also certain that all these things are going to be true, ultimately will be glorified. Yes. It's a certain hope. It's not something you're going to miss out on because you missed some thing that's going on and you didn't happen to get there in time. Okay. So we're saying again, all true Christians, every true believer will arrive because the outcome is dependent upon God's sovereign decision from all eternity. Yes. That's why the tense. Okay. So now I can anticipate the objections, because I've been hearing them for at least 35, 40 years. All right. Well, let's answer of, a few of them up front. Yeah. <laughs> so here's one that you immediately get. Oh, you're a Calvinist. Oh, you're a Calvinist. Oh, those Calvinists. You're a Calvinist. Uh, I didn't read John Calvin. Okay. I'm reading Paul. Yes. Read the text. I remember... My one of my favorite teachers in seminary said, This is going to be a unique class. We're going to read the Bible. All right. We're going to learn how to see what the author, whatever book is we're studying, is saying. We were studying the gospels. And we'd be reading, and then somebody in class would say, Well, I can't mean that. Professor, read it again. So he'd read it. Okay, so. That's what it says. Is there a reason why we can't believe what it says? Right. And the student was, well, I never heard it that way. Listen, 
we believe in the authority of Scripture and the priesthood of every believer. Something is neither true nor false because it's found somewhere in church history. Exactly. Okay. I don't have any Calvin here. I only have Paul looking, we're looking at. Right. So let's put all this aside and look at the text. What does it say? Those he foreknew, he predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. Now, in the article, I explain that the idea of foreknown is not cognitive, but relational. All right. That's important. Can you explain that a little bit? Right. We tend to think God knows things we don't know, which is true. And so foreknown means God knows this will happen. All right. So God becomes the observer in eternity past to what happens. But have we read anything in Romans 8 that would indicate God's the observer, we're the actors, and foreknown means he saw what we did? No, it's actually quite the opposite. It's totally the opposite. Everything in Romans 8. Yes. Okay. So, again, thinking of my uh, Professor Versaput, who went to be in glory not long actually after I graduated, read the text. Yes. Okay. From, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of the Son. We can't make ourselves conform to the image of the Son. Right. So the word for foreknown is uh, from the Hebrew Old Testament and the Greek here in the New Testament is a word that means to, to have a relationship, to come into a relationship with. So we could say having a relationship with. God's foreknowledge, I wrote in my article, of his sons is not that he merely knew that we would one day exist, nor can it be construed to mean he knew that we would choose him. God is the active party throughout Romans 8. Yes. And that's okay. one thing you hear all the time, though, people trying to explain foreknowledge was that God looked through the halls of time and saw who would choose him. Well, the Bible doesn't tell us that. Right. It doesn't. Okay. So I'm going to stick with the Bible here. And you'll notice the people who get some of these things wrong skip around. They'll do this verse or that verse or this verse. We're going through Romans 8. We're not skipping. Yes. The context and everything is said here, being adopted as sons, this is not about God reacting to our actions, but God acting to adopt sons and bring them to glory. Right. Okay. So take the cases where we do know, where it's very clear what happened. I often tell people who react to this, and some people react so emotionally, they'll just rather not go to church anywhere than to hear what it says here. Okay. I know people like that. They yes. get so angry, they won't even go to church unless somebody might teach this. Okay. So look at what we do know. What about Abram, who becomes Abraham in Genesis? Right. Okay. Was a Abram... In her, the Chaldees, thinking, you know, I think I should go find another God in another religion. I'm kind of tired of this one. 
<laughs> right. No, God chose Abram. Right. And it says that throughout the Bible. Right. I mean, if you just take a broad overview, okay, did God choose Abram or did Abram choose God? Did God choose Moses or did Moses choose God? Did Jesus choose the disciples or did the disciples choose him? Did Paul choose Jesus? No, he <laughs> or chose did God choose him? He said, why are you person? So I've talked to people. They said, well, I want to have lunch. I, I like that you teach the Bible, but, but I, I hate this Calvinism. I haven't said a word about Calvin. Yeah. You brought that up. Right. So we go through this. Abram, uh, Moses, like you just did. Paul. Well, those. what are you going to say? Well, those are exceptions. Right. So those and are the exceptions, which I don't know why you would think that. Then what's the point of Romans 8? Because right. the adopted ones... In fact, Paul, the Lord himself told uh, the, the man who was to pray for Paul that he was he had chosen Paul. Mm -hmm. The Lord chose Paul. That's obvious. Yeah. So the only way we know we're the chosen is if we come to faith and we're trusting Christ. Right. There's, there, there's no category of people thinking, I wish I was one of the chosen, chosen but I'm not. So I'll just have to be happy to go live for the devil. Right. Well, and I remember thinking that way at one point and it was crippling. <laughs> well, Honestly, it was that. really bad. <laughs> I remember that a couple of incidents back then. <laughs> yep. It didn't work out so well for me. Well, but... not only that, it didn't bother me the when somebody had talked to Jessica, mm -hmm. my daughter, and said, well, God, we don't choose God, he chooses us. And then you got really angry, didn't you? Yeah, I, I told her I wasn't going to serve a God like that. <laughs> so the lady came to me because they were going to, she was going to play the piano. And she says, your daughter's going to renounce Christ. And it's all my fault. I said, <laughs> and I wasn't upset. I said, well, good. At least now she knows where she stands. <laughs> yep. And that is actually exactly what happened. So. Right. Yeah. Then the lightning bolt from heaven came later. Yeah. Ironically, that particular lady called you on your cell phone. Right. Yep. Right. After, and ju I mean, just after that had happened, she calls me. <laughs> one that, I know. So God is at work. And those, I, I understand the emotional responses uh, because I've talked to people at conferences where I was a speaker. They were. And so they begin telling me all this, I said, they're usually reacting to some group that they knew in the town they grew up in that were self-righteous and we're God's elect because we're Dutch or something like that's where it was like in my town. Yeah. And they assume that's what the problem is. But the problem, we just need to go back to scripture and not worry about what somebody's claiming that doesn't understand it anyhow. Right. And even answering the claim that, well, these were special cases, Abram and Moses and the apostles. And if oh, we just yeah. read the book of Acts, it, in Acts, it says, and all who were appointed to eternal life believed. When we're reading about Lydia, it says the Lord opened her heart to receive the truth. Every, at your average everyday person in Acts believed 
because they had been appointed to eternal yes. life. Luke makes that so clear throughout Luke Acts. Yes. It's very clear. And the other thing we find out in Luke Acts is that those who do respond because of God's act of mercy are people that the religious leaders don't want to have anything to do with. Right. And the woman who weeps at Jesus' feet during a banquet. Yes. The Samaritan, who's the only one that came back and gave glory to God. Right. The things that are confounded things that are not. So rather than dishonoring God by claiming he knew you were going to make the right choice, why not believe the text and find the comfort that God is offering you? Because if you put yourself in the decisive role, for whatever reason, you don't like some group that you've run across. So whatever they say about this topic has to be wrong. That's not how we do theology. We go to the scripture. God is offering comfort. Is there a reason we wouldn't want that? Right. We should. Would we rather be the masters of our own destiny? I will. <laughs> you know, it, it's as they say, if you could lose your salvation, you would. <laughs> yeah, we lose everything else, don't we? Yep. So, so then looking back at this Romans 8, 29 and 30, this is where God is leading us. Those he called, he justifies. Those whom he justified, these he glorified. The Holy Spirit is leading us through those steps. Right. And this is the important doctrine, and it's very clear. So it's not about God reacting to our actions, but God acting to adopt sons, bring them to glory. Yes. And I cite some scholars. Now, let's talk about this knowing, foreknown. Okay. In the article here, I cite Jeremiah 1, 5. All right. Well, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah right. 1, 5. This shows foreknown as relational. Okay. Not God reacting to Jeremiah showing up. All right. Now, some would say, well, um, really, the elect is Jesus. So God elected Jesus. And if we choose Jesus, then we become part of the elect. Well, that's kind of really reversing things. Well, that's not what the Bible's telling us. Right. It is true that in Christ we're God's elect. But how is it that we're in Christ? By his mercy and grace and by what he did for us. Right. Okay. So foreknowledge in the context of God calling forth a people is more than having knowledge of in advance. Yes. But it means to choose for a covenant relationship. And so um, Amos pointed that out in other passage in the Old Testament. Let me cite this. Okay, The Amos passage, the, the verb yada, that's the Hebrew, known is actually translated chosen by the New American Standard Bible. Quote, you only have I chosen among all the families of the earth. Amos 3, 2a. Okay. You only have I chosen. 
So he chose Israel to be the people through whom salvation may be brought to all the families of the earth. Yes. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, mentioned Moses, David, the prophets leading to Messiah. So uh, again and again, Matthew 7, 21 through 23, Jesus said to those who weren't right, they were false miracle workers. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Okay. What does that mean? I never had a relationship with you. Right. So no is relational. Relational. It says in 1 Corinthians 8, 3, if anyone loves God, he, the same is known by him. Okay. It's relational. Yes. And I say that a lot, and we've been talking about that throughout this series we're doing. It's not about power, knowledge, secrets, trips to heaven, piety, how long I prayed, how I gained some revelation from the throne room of God. It's about having a humble but thankful, gracious relationship with God because of what he's done for us. Okay. And that's what we need, not some secret knowledge. Now, I go through this in the article. So the next one, if you didn't think foreknown is going to create a problem, what about predestined? Boy, right. that really lights a few people's fuse. Yep. Jesus. Romans 8, 29. And I write this. Some argue that a foreknown means to choose in advance. Then predestined is a redundancy. But I answer that one. However, in this passage, Paul is using predestined to describe the final state of all the redeemed. Okay. Conformed to the image of Christ. Amen. He foreknow, so he'd be predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. Therefore, if we're walking in the Spirit, there we're a Christian. If we're being carried by the Comforter, we're Christian. If we're adopted into the family of God, spirit of adoption, saying, Abba, Father, then we are truly Christian. Then our ultimate place of destination is glory. Okay. And the state we'll be in when we're there is conformed to the image of Christ. Yes. Not a higher order Christian now compared to the pathetic ones who don't have what we have. Right. We are almost out of time. We've got about five minutes. Can you just give us a wrap up to pull this all together? Sure. Let's let's look at where this is all going. Okay. I said all the, those predestined to adoption in the full sense are going to be conformed to the image of Christ. Then Paul covers other things that people want to know. What about the sufferings? Maybe I maybe I'm a defeated Christian because I suffer. Okay. No. For I consider that the sufferings of this present age are not worthy to be compared with the glory that's to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. That's this glorification in the future. Romans 8, 18 and 19. Romans 8, 23. Romans 8, 29. Conform the image of the Son. Romans 8, 30 continues the golden chain argument. That's what this is. If you break one link in the chain, the whole chain fails. Right. 
all of these things are true of everyone who belongs to the group it's describing. Okay. The group is Christians. Yes. All of these things are true for the entire group. Okay. If one of them is not true, the thing is broken. We won't be conformed to the image of Christ and we'll not go to glory. So it's either or. Okay. Okay. So the called are the glorified. Called here is speaking of the effectual call. All right. This does not deny the universal call. We preach the gospel to everyone. Okay. God universally calls all people everywhere to repent. Yes. To believe in Jesus Christ, the creator, the redeemer, the virgin born, sinless son of God, who died for sins, was raised on the third day, who shed his blood, ascended to heaven, is coming again. Okay. That's the Lord. And if you believe that and are born of God, you're the called. All right. So now the final link of the golden chain is glorification. Okay. So let's look at that. I'm going to cite something I wrote in the article. All the justified are glorified. Herein lies the rock-solid proof of the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints. All God's adopted sons will be glorified. They're being led by the Spirit to glory. As we've seen, they're being powerfully and effectively carried along by the Holy Spirit to glory. The Holy Spirit who regenerates all true believers will never drop the ball and allow one of his to perish. Our hope lies in the electing love and sovereign power of God and not in the feeble powers of man. Amen. And why are we so enamored by the feeble powers of man? Right. The schemes, the second blessing theories, the higher order, the revelations, the all of the stuff that's out there. What is it that we're lacking when we have the promises of God? What are we lack, lacking if we're his adopted children? What are we lacking? The Holy Spirit indwells us. He's carrying us to glory. And at the end of Romans 8, Paul lists everything that we might think of that could separate us from the love of God. Nothing will. Yes. So, listeners, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and are trusting him for salvation, he is bringing these promises to you through these scriptures. And we don't honor God by saying, well, I think I need to go gain something else. Okay. Believe what he says. He's comforting you. And to be comforted is to give glory to God and praise to him. All right. Do you have anything else you'd like to add before we close? Well, if you get the article, article 70, issue 76 from 2003, CIC I then go through the pairs of extremes that we might think would separate us from God. Okay. And these extremes, things present, things to come, and so on, these extremes would include everything in between. Okay. And so Paul is saying, 
nothing will separate us. And then people will come back and say, yeah, but I can do it. I can do it. Yeah. I've heard that, but I can jump out of his hand. Oh, so are you going to be Judas and be an apostate and run away and uh, uh, betray Christ? Well, no. Well, then you're created being, nor, nor any other created thing. And so God is offering comfort. And would we rather have God in the image of fallen man being the master of the destiny of some things, or do we want to accept what God says about himself and our dependence on him? Yes. And if you depend on him, you're safe. If you depend on yourself, there's not much comfort in that. Right. Okay, we are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. You can access this episode and many others as well as years worth of articles at the website cicministry.org. While you're there, click on contact and send us a message. We would love to hear from you. We want to encourage you all to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramus. And Bob DeWay. We'll see you next week.